Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. So we're going to go right now into our message about the uh, book. Uh, we're not, ta- not talking about a book. We're talking about Elijah the prophet. We're doing a study on him. He's an Old Testament character, but he shows up in the New Testament. In fact, um, before Jesus came, John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. He's, he's an important guy. When Jesus was transfigured, when he was praying before his disciples, and two gentlemen showed up. One of them was Moses. The other was Elijah. So we are studying kind of his life and what he, what he accomplished, what he went through. And here's another place in the New Testament, and it's going to kind of set the stage. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 13, we're going to going to read some verses in here, and then we're going to can jump in and continue um, our study of Elijah. But the book of James, chapter 5, verse 13, it says, um, Is anybody suffering? Let him pray. If anyone's cheerful, let him sing praise. If anyone is sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. He therefore confess any sins, he will be forgiven. Verse uh, 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for another that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power working in it. That's why we're doing 21 days of prayer. That's why our small group that meets here on Wednesdays from 7 to 8, we've turned it into a place of prayer for this time. Prayer is, is such a... It's such a holy thing, and it's a privilege. In fact, the one time that we really see Jesus getting mad, um, he was mad because his house was supposed to be a house of prayer, and it wasn't. But then it goes on in verse 17, and it says, Elijah was a man just like us, or with a nature just like ours. He prayed fervently that it would not not rain, and it didn't for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore fruit. So again, we have a reference to Elijah, and specifically, um, that whole little passage is talking about the power of prayer, and and we have just, we have something as believers that, that we need to know its importance. Like, we can come before we think, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, like he decided that he was going to allow us the ease to enter into his presence. Bible says that it's by the blood of Jesus that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And then it references this, this guy, Elijah, as somebody who was somebody just like us. He had a nature just like ours, and yet his prayers were powerful. So we're going to go and we're going to look at some of Elijah's powerful prayers. We're in the book of 1 Kings, and we're in chapter 18. And we're going to pick up on Elijah and specifically looking at jumping in. You can go to our website and hear the past messages. But last week we talked about Elijah. He had this great, like very amazing, encouraging story where it was him against 450 prophets of Baal. And they were trying to get a a sacrifice lit on fire. And Elijah said, all right, you have 450. You don't touch it with a flame. See if Baal lights it on fire. 
It says those guys went all day long. They were leaping and shouting and cutting themselves, but still no fire came for the altar, and it, it didn't burn up. Then Elijah said, okay, now it's my turn. And I don't know if he just wanted to have God show off, but he said, you know what, it's not hard enough. Let's soak it with water. And so the, the altar was soaked with water, and it just poured all over it. And they built a trench, and the trench was filled with water. And so then Elijah prayed, and it says, like, this fire came down, and it lit this, this sacrifice. It burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stone from the altar, and it even drank up all the water around. So Elijah is coming off of a huge victory. There are some times that God uses us, and man, it's a huge victory. Like, the thing that God has called us to do, it, it happened. Like, and I, I think of John's prayer testimony, where we were praying for this one, young, this one woman's son, and like, this week, he gets into rehab. Like, getting free from drugs is a big deal. Like, it's a huge deal. If you've got that addiction, like, you need God to break it. And to me, that's a victory. That, that makes me encouraged. It makes me want to say, hey, fill out some more prayer cards. Let us know what we can pray. Let's see what God can do. Maybe next week there'll be even more answered prayers. And that's what Elijah was coming off from. And then in verse 41, the story kind of picks up. It says, and Elijah said to Ahab, he says, Go eat and drink, for there's a sound of rushing rain. That is kind of the way that they would say it in, in, in this culture. We might say, hey, it looks like it's going to rain. Well, they, they said it differently. They said it sounds like it's going to rain. And so Elijah's feeling king with a wicked wife leading the nation into wickedness. And he says, hey, it's about to rain. Go get ready. It says, so Ahab went up to eat and drink. But then Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bows himself to the earth and he puts his face between his knees. See, we, we talked about this the first week is sometimes we have to be bold against sin and bold standing up for God, but we always approach him humbly. I'm just amazed like how, how infrequent it is for us to even bow our knees sometime to the Lord. But this, this guy, he comes off this huge victory where fire just came down from heaven. Right now, let me, in case you didn't know, that's not common. Rain is common. If I had to pray for fire versus rain, I'm thinking it's easier to pray for rain. He has this huge victory, but yet he still goes and he humbles himself. He bows down. And he's in this, this, this supplication. He's, he's asking God for rain. And he said to his servant, go look toward the sea. Up in Mount Carmel, there was a place that you could go and you could see very far and you could see a long distance to the sea. And he says, go look, see if the rain is coming. And he went and he looked and he said, there's nothing. Remember a few verses ago, Fire just fell from heaven. That's hard. Now he's praying for rain, and it didn't come. Elijah had already told the king, hey, it sounds like rain. It looks like it's going to rain. So he had to pray and the seven times for rain. Verse 44, and the seventh time he's, the servant comes back and he says, oh, there's a little cloud 
this tiny little cloud rising from the sea. I just want you to know prayer is special, prayer is holy, but I don't know why God sometimes brings fire easily, but it takes a little longer for something simple like rain. But that's not for us to know why. If anything, it reminded Elijah like, hey, I can't make it rain. I didn't make the fire. And it forced him to humble himself seven times. He's praying for rain. So when James says he was a man just like us, no, Elijah wasn't special. He was just like us. Well, then he sees the cloud. And so Elijah tells his servant, he says, go to Ahab and say to him, get your chariot ready and get out of here, at least the rain stop you. It hadn't rained for three years and six months. It was about to be a downpour. People needed to get safe. And it says, in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. So the rain came. It took seven times. I want to challenge you, if you're praying for something, and it doesn't happen the first time, okay. Jesus himself said, ask, seek, and knock, and keep doing it. Sometimes we have to pray more than once. I praise God. We've had two testimonies of two people who had filled out a prayer card, and we're just praying for them. Two people have already said, man, it happened. One was for a, a person that was far away from Jesus, and we prayed for him all last week. We've been praying for him this week, too. But last Saturday, I got the testimony after church. My friend said, hey, that guy we've been praying for, I got to share that. John shares his testimony about this, this man coming to the realization that he can't do it again, and he needs Jesus. Not only did he find a rehab, but he says, I need one that's going to be Christ-centered. Sometimes it happens quick. Sometimes it doesn't. All we do is pray. I don't know why sometimes it's quick and sometimes it's slow, but I do know what God has called us to do. And that's one of the lessons that, that we can learn from Elijah. Isn't it amazing how God was answering his prayer, how God had shown up? And yeah, sometimes he prayed and it was quick. Sometimes he prayed and it was slow. But remember in James it said Elijah was a man just like us. Chapter 19 is dark. It's a hard chapter. So let's keep going into verse 1 of chapter 19. Ahab told Jezebel, Ahab is the wicked king. Jezebel is his wicked wife. He tells her all that Elijah had done, how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So he's telling his wife, hey, honey, Elijah did this. And Jezebel sent a message to Elijah. Do not make your life. So may the gods do to me and more so if I do not make your life as one of them by this time tomorrow. Elijah, the guy who just prayed fire down from heaven. Elijah, who had prayed to stop the rain. Because remember, rain was supposed to be Baal's job. And Elijah was saying, no, it's God's job. Elijah, who prayed and then it rained again. He gets a message from a woman saying she's going to kill him. Verse 3. 
Elijah was full of faith. He was brave, and he said, I fear no one. No. He said, Elijah was afraid. He arose and he ran for his life. Isn't it funny how we can have these victories? We can press in and see God answer, and yet we could still battle with fear. He was a man just like us. This should let us know that if God heard his prayers, he'll hear our prayers. This should give you confidence. So here this man is afraid, and he runs for his life, and he left his servant in in Beersheba. Verse 4, it says, He went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die. He says, it's enough, Lord. Take away my life. I'm no better than my father's. Sometimes our greatest darkness can come after a great victory. It can come after a hard time. And Elijah is is praying to God for his life to be taken. God's not going to answer this prayer. But if you've ever been in a dark time, I was thinking for me, um, you know, if you, some of you guys know the struggles I've had with my back. Some of you guys have had struggles with pain, too. It could be physical. It could be emotional. But, but when you're just in pain or when you're just suffering and nothing can fix it, when there's not a surgeon, there's not a medicine, there's not a, a doctor, there's not anything that can help, and you just sit there suffering, sometimes we can find ourselves feeling like Elijah. It's enough, Lord. I'm no better than anybody else. Verse 5, it says, He laid down and slept under a broom tree. A lot of times when people are depressed, they sleep all day. They don't have any energy. They're fatigued. They can't make it. So in a sense, they start to give up. That's what happened to Elijah. Verse 5, it says, As he lay down and slept under the broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake bread on hot stones and a jar of water, and he ate and drank. And an angel show up. That's a big deal. And not only did the angel show up, he touches the guy and wakes him up. And you would think... That would have fixed the problem. But it didn't. Angels cannot fix our problem. Only Jesus can. And then the angel, I guess they cook. I don't know how that worked. Maybe he snapped his finger and it was there. Maybe he started a fire. I don't know. But there was some bread, a cake, baked on hot stones, and a jar of water. So not only is he getting like this little spiritual experience, a little like, hey, you saw an angel, that would encourage me. But he's getting some natural food. But what did he do? He laid back down. He wasn't out of his funk. He wasn't out of his darkness. Because angels cannot bring you out. And there's no food. There's no drug. There's nothing that can bring you out of this kind of depression, except for Jesus. And the angel came a second time 
touches him a second time and says, get up and eat. The journey is too great for you. Guys, the things that God has called us to, the plan that God has for our lives, it is too great for us. This angel wakes him up again, tells him to eat. There's more food there. And verse 8, it says, And he arose and he ate and drank, and then he went in the strength of the food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. See, there are some physical things we can do. You know, hey, the food gave him some energy. There might, might be something that a doctor could do. There might be something that you could change in your natural life that can help you feel a little bit better. He had some strength, but we're going to look. His problem wasn't fixed. Verse 9, it says he came to a cave and he What are you doing here, Elijah? When God asks a question... It's not because he doesn't know. Like, oh, you're here? Why are you here, Elijah? I didn't expect this. If he asks a question, it's for us to find the answer. It's something he wants to teach us. He's not trying to learn anything. He wants us to learn. Elijah goes, and look in verse 10. He's still, he's still depressed. He says, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars and they killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left. And now they seek my life to take it away. Elijah had seen his nation reject God. Had seen them destroy the old altars and, and turn away from, from what had made the nation strong. Elijah had seen other prophets stand up and be strong and say, I will serve the Lord. And seen them die. He had no hope. He was in a dark place. But remember, this is the guy, one of two, that Jesus met with on the Mount of Transfiguration. When James said he was a man just like us, he wasn't perfect. If you're going through a time of depression or a time of anxiety or, or you're feeling, but what are you doing here? What's your purpose? Verse 11, and he said, go, stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. See, God comes to us when we're in our darkest places. See, the story is not that the, the lost sheep found his way home. The lost sheep didn't find a map and say, Ooh, I can go back home now. The, last, the lost sheep needed the shepherd to come and get him. And that's what the shepherd is doing to Elijah. The Lord passed by. And it says, a great strong wind tore the mountain and broke it in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. See, Elijah didn't need an angel. That wasn't going to fix it. He didn't need to eat better. That wasn't going to fix it. He didn't even need like this amazing miracle of wind ripping rocks apart. Because the Lord was not there, and what Elijah needed was the Lord. It says, and then after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. I think about um, the book of Acts. If you read chapter 2 and chapter 4, there's chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. It talks the coming of the Spirit. And it talks that when the Spirit came, there was a mighty rushing wind and, and tongues of fire that came down. In chapter 4, it talks about the place where they were staying was shaken. There was like a little earthquake there. And those are like outward signs that God is working. For you, maybe it's like the, uh, you know, the, your hair stands up. You say, oh, God is here. God is not in your hair standing up. That's not where he lives. God is not in the wind. God is not in the earthquake. God is not in the fire. If God was in the fire, Elijah would already had it because he saw God's fire come down and burn up the sacrifice in the last chapter. It says, but after the fire, there was a sound of a low whisper. That's where the Lord is. His low whisper that people with ears might hear, that they might know that he's near. Verse 13, it says, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face, blood of Jesus covering him. He could not approach the throne boldly. The, the cross had not happened. The sacrifice was not made. But yet he was desperate to see God. So he covers his face and he goes out there to see who's talking. And behold, there came to him a voice. And the voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? If you're walking in a dark place right now, I think a lot of times that's, that's God's question. Like, what are you doing here? Why are you in this spot? What is your purpose? There's a lot of ways you can take this question, like, why are you here, Elijah? Are you here just to be safe? If the Jezebel killed you, is that a problem for you? If that's what I wanted, Elijah? Like, why are you here? Why are you in this dark place? And he says, I've been very jealous for you, Lord of hosts. He says the same thing, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. He's looking around at a nation that has forgotten God. If you look around long enough, you might see a nation that has forgotten God somewhere. Anybody know one? And then they killed your prophets with the sword. There's a level of persecution, this idea of people are dying. See, not only these were the people that, that didn't forsake the Lord. That's why they were killed. They, they wouldn't compromise. They wouldn't, they wouldn't. They drew a line and they said, no, we are serving the Lord. And that meant they were killed. He was afraid. He goes, no, I'm only left. They seek my life to take it away. And what does the Lord say to him? Look at verse 15. Oh, poor Elijah. I know it's hard. Sometimes that's how God responds to us. And I'm not saying God isn't comforting. Our God is comforting and he is gentle and he is patient. And I'm not trying to paint a picture of God as this hard person. But, but sometimes you got to realize 
if you're fearful and if you're depressed, okay, well, what are you here for? What has God called you to do? Elijah, that's why you're here. Go, return to the wilderness of Damascus. That's where God had him before. And he gives him some, some things to do. He says, when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Saphat of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazel, Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall be put to death. Verse 18, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel. All the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. One of the parts of Baal worship would be to bow and would be to kiss, kiss the Baal. And what's interesting is God, it looks like God had to remind Elijah that he's not in all these miracles that he's been seeing. He's not in the fire. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the wind. That small voice that reminds him of what he is supposed to do. It does not say that Elijah got up and his depression was gone. It just says he got up. It doesn't say Elijah got up and his fear was gone. It just said he had courage. Because sometimes you'll be down, but that is not an excuse to quit. Sometimes you'll be fearful, but that's not an excuse to stop. Sometimes you might need to have a little retreat, just like Elijah had a little retreat. He went away. And he pressed into the Lord. He was reminded of who was with him. He was reminded of the purpose that he had. And so it says Elijah got up and he did what God has asked. Sometimes like, the, what do you know God has called you to do? If God has called you to this church or to any church, go to it. That's one. If God has called you to a church Get involved in it. If you feel God has put on your heart to, to read the word, well, don't only read it when you're feeling good. Sometimes we just do what we're supposed to do, and that kind of washes us. That kind of cleans us. That kind of gets us from sleeping and feeling depressed and feeling like we're the only person. And I know this was Elijah's feeling because look at the end of verse 18. Elijah was feeling, put verse 18 up there, please. Elijah was feeling like he was the only person. He was the only one in the nation. Oh, oh, oh. There were 7,000 other people there. Seven other thousand people who drew the line but didn't get killed. 7,000 people who, when it was easier to worship Baal, said, no, I'm not going to do that. That when they asked them to kiss the Baal, Definitely not doing that. You're not always like your perception is your reality, but sometimes that's not like the real reality. Sometimes you need God to lift up your eyes and to, to see things from his perspective. And, and as I was praying and as I was getting 
ready for this message. I just, I feel like maybe there's somebody here that you've been walking through deep depression. Man, with my back, I've, I've been in some dark places. And you have too, some of you, with your own struggles. That small voice of Jesus that reminds you that he's there and that reminds you of your, the purpose he has for you. Would you bow your heads for a second? Would you close your eyes? This is a hard message. and I, Maybe there's somebody here that can relate to Elijah. Maybe somebody's been dealing with fear, depression, hopelessness. And maybe you're here this morning because God wants to remind you of a still, small voice that he's with you. That it may not be exactly the way you think it is. That God has a purpose. That you haven't ruined your purpose. Being depressed and being down didn't count Elijah out. God said, you know what? Get up. Go start anointing these people. Go start doing what I've called you to do. Don't wallow. Don't stay in that place anymore. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I really don't want anybody feeling ashamed. Like this is between you and the Lord. But if, you, if you're feeling that way, if you've just been incredibly down, or you're feeling incredibly fearful, would you put your hand up right now and just say, you know what, that's me. There's, you're not alone. You people that put your hand up, you are not alone. The Lord probably might have arranged this whole day just for you. Just to remind you of a still small voice that, that he's the good shepherd and he comes looking for you. Lord, I saw the hands. God, and my heart goes out. Jesus, I can't do anything. But your scripture said, if anybody's suffering, let them pray. We pray for freedom in their minds. We pray for fresh perspective. God, and we pray, God, I pray with everything I can that your voice would be in their ears. And you'd remind them of your love, remind them of your faithfulness, remind them that they are not alone. God, that you are with them, but also, God, there's other people with them. There's other people going through the same things and are happy to pray with them and to encourage them. Jesus, change whatever needs to be changed. Fix whatever needs to be fixed and renew purpose, your purpose for their life. It says that we are saved by grace through faith created in Christ Jesus for good works that you have prepared. So Lord, they're not in a good spot, that's okay. Bring them to the good works, the ways they can serve others, the ways they can bless others, the ways that even though their life may not be what they want it to be, they can help other people and share the love of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, would you stand with me?
guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>